who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. My name is Jenny Owen-Youngs. And I'm Kristen Russo. And together we spent six years watching every episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one at a time, podcasting about each and every one. Our podcast is spoiler-free, so first-time viewers can listen along safely. Ever thought to yourself, I wish someone was brave enough to write an original song for every single episode of Buffy? Your search is at an end, my friend, because we did exactly that. Our podcast is called Buffering the Vampire Slayer, and you can learn more about it at bufferingcast.com. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Let's hang out. Let's hang out. Hey guys, welcome back to Les Hangout, a podcast hosted by two women who may or may not look queer. From the East Coast, I'm Ellie Brigida. And from the West Coast, I'm Lee Holmes Foster. And welcome to episode 18, Inside the Black Triangle. This episode, we are super excited to be joined by Rachel Zimmerman. She's a photographer behind Inside the Black Triangle, which is a photojournalism project exploring queer women beyond societal stereotypes. So thank you, Rachel, for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. Tell us a little bit about this project. Let's just jump right in to... Inside the Black Triangle. All right. So I started the project two years ago. Um, it was actually called something different, but it has evolved and changed a lot in two years. The Black Triangle was used in Nazi Germany to categorize atypical and asocial behavior. So queer women fell onto this awful symbol. Obviously, at the time, you had to wear it on your clothing. So in the 60s and 70s, feminists and lesbians reclaimed the symbol to be solidarity and pride which is really awesome. And I think it's really important that we continue that conversation um, and that we know our history, because if we don't, mm. then we're going to repeat it. So you said it, it started two years ago. What was it called then? It was called, What Does a Lesbian Look Like? So it was more focused on the stereotypes behind being a lesbian. My inspiration stemmed from a lot of my personal observations and experiences at the time, I was living in Vail, Colorado, it's a ski bum town. A lot of guys have long hair. I was constantly being misgendered. And after a while, it was getting to me because I was treated so differently. To be shoved around at concerts isn't really my favorite thing. <laughs> um, so it kind of got me thinking, you know, people really don't understand in the heteronormative world, don't really understand what it is to be gay. So I thought we could start a conversation there. And then I kind of started looking at our own community and was like, 
hey, we're really doing a lot of preaching of equality, but I'm seeing a lot of inequality within our own community. Um, so I really wanted to explore that. Very cool. You talked a little bit about inequality within our community, right? And I think I actually did a photo shoot with you when I was in Denver, which was which super cool awesome. and awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, thank you so much for doing that. We did talk a lot about the division within our community. We had a really interesting conversation, so I would love if you would just talk a little bit to our listeners about some of the things we talked about, about this gender hierarchy that we see in our community and why you think um, that exists. Yeah, definitely. You hear girls that are androgynous or butch claim to be gayer than other women, which is almost laughable. (laughs) Just because what does our sexuality have to do with how we dress, what our hobbies are, our personal preferences and personality? They really don't. But we've kind of clinged on to the stereotype that society's put out there for us, that we're woman-loving, softball-playing dykes. And that's just really not the case. Like, we're so much more diverse than that. So actually, when I started the project, I was like, where am I going to find the most diversity within our community? I can't go to the same bar, can't go to the rugby field, like it's all the same kind of people. So I went to Tinder. So I was like, this is where everyone is, whether you're purple Mm -hmm. or green or you like this or whatever else. So I think it's really important that we talk about the inequality because it's terrible that a feminine woman, when she comes out, goes to a gay bar and not only every day in society is she questioned you're not really gay you're too pretty to be gay but then she goes to her own community and the girls are like are you sure you're not bi (laughs) and so what if you are bi you know and I think that really changes how people act and we already have such a challenge living in a heteronormative world and we really talk about how supportive and on board everyone is in the community. And I'm just really not seeing that. Mm-hmm. Okay, but wait, you went looking for diversity. And you're saying the answer to that question wasn't Vail, Colorado? It was not Vail. <laughs> it was not Vail, Colorado. There's actually probably only like 10 <laughs> queer women living in Vail. So after four years, I was like, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> I yeah. need some ladies in my life. Yeah, cities, obviously. Just more people and such. Colorado's actually pretty white so I've had a tough time sometimes finding women that aren't just all white and look the same so I've traveled a bit too which has been pretty cool. Is the project primarily U.S. based or is it international? It's been international. I went to Chile. I was actually fortunate enough to go to Easter Island on a photo shoot and happened to stay with a friend of a friend for a little while. Thanks Kelly and Gabs if you're listening to this. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And it was really awesome because I went to Tinder and I met some really great people and Gab's helped me with my Spanish is pretty elementary and I was able to really get a feel for what it's like to be gay there in a different culture. And then again, I did the same thing in Cuba, which was a lot more difficult because, you know, it's a communist country still and the internet doesn't really exist and there's not Tinder. So I met these pedicab drivers and hung out with them for a day. And by the end of the day, I was like, okay, I feel like I'm kind of their friend. So I can ask them, What's it like to be gay here? Are there people out? And he was like, yeah, there are people out. You should go to the gay club tonight. And so I brought some of my friends along and we go to this place and it looks kind of like a compound. And I'm like, oh, God, this is weird. Like, I don't know if I'm in the right spot. I'm like walking up and two like big figures are like coming out of the dark shadows. I'm like, oh, God, I'm so screwed. My Spanish is not good enough for this. 
but was able to like get through it with them. They're like, yeah, come back for the party. So they're all like hanging out with my friends in a public park. And then this bus just stops and it's just like all the gays, everyone, trans, like drag, (laughs) everyone's there. So like run up to the first queer girl I see and I'm like poorly speaking Spanish and like, I'm a photographer. I'm doing this project. Like, basically, tell me all of your life. Yeah. <laughs> and she did, and it was great. We kind of used notes back and forth on our phones. We were able to translate and took her picture and had a really good time. But it was cool to hear her story. She was really open. She had left home at 19. And I think probably, I would say, if I had to compare in their culture, because it is a different country and, you know, yeah. it's communist and it's a little bit scary or it could be. She really wasn't accepted by her family. And it wasn't just like, oh, you're, it's not okay with me. It was like, you can't live here. The LGBT community became her family, rather. So yeah. I think, you know, with the adversity that she had to overcome, it really changed the way she was treated in the community. Not to say that we don't do that here. But I think it's a little bit different. Have you had any people in the U.S. who have had similar experiences that you've taken? Actually, I just spoke with someone who grew up in a, I guess her dad was a preacher, grew Mm -hmm. up around the church very closely. And as soon as she came out, she was like, couldn't go to the church anymore. And I think things have kind of changed for her a bit. But I would say there's definitely people whose parents are not okay and have had hardships And I think those are the people that really find solidarity within the community. And I think that's great. But I think Mm -hmm. since the world has changed so much that people are more open that sometimes we're like, oh, we're just normal again. And we don't have to treat each other any better than any other group. But at the end of the day, it's like the only example people have of us is how we treat each other. And if they see that we're doing the same thing, why are they going to take us serious? You know, how much do society and the media and things like that like shape our idea of what you know what does it mean to look queer what does that what does that look like you know and so I'm curious when you go to other countries and especially countries like like Latin American countries or countries that are a lot more heavily influenced by things like religion and specifically by like Catholicism and stuff like that you know I'm curious like does that when you have a whole busload of queers unload, like, do you see the same range of expressions that we have here? Do you see, you know, people kind of trying to pass a little bit more in some way? Like, I'm just curious how that affects, like, the the range of what you, what you find. I would say in Chile, I went to a gay bar, had a really great time, but I would say that femininity is, like, more acceptable in the queer community. So, yeah lot of feminine women dancing having a great time and I'm like hell yeah I like some feminine women up in here having fun um but then there's definitely the dapper girls who have their shirts buttoned all the way up and you know look good in their own right yeah but I do I think it's sad you know we don't have unless you catch eyes with someone we don't necessarily know if you're gay so I think that for so long because it was a stereotype that oh we have short hair and whatever that people really got used to that and then felt like they have to fit that norm especially in america oh you're not wearing flannel you must not be gay Mm -hmm. we've talked about this many many times but like (laughs) i live in boston and the amount of flannel that i freaking see here (laughs) i'm just like ladies 
it is actually a requirement, right? It, like, it, it must be. I think <laughs> yeah. once you, like, cross the border into Massachusetts, you automatically, think, your flannel collection, like, triples. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're actually not allowed to sleep with another woman unless you're wearing flannel yeah. at the time. I think it's a Massachusetts state law. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just but, a like, weird one on the books from, like, 1890s or something. Yeah, you know. very puritanical. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, like, I don't know. I, as a more femme-presenting lesbian, a lot of the times in queer spaces... I feel like I'm overdressed or like overdone up when literally I like tone it down and still try to look good by wearing like a leather jacket and a tank top rather than a flannel. And like, it's like, I'm so like overdressed in a queer space. And I don't know. I just think it's ridiculous. Like, I also just want people to like (laughs) up your fashion game. Yes, (laughs) seriously. Not everyone has to wear a snapback. I think a lot of times I go out and I just see like little gaggles of people wearing the Mm -hmm. same clothing. Yeah. Yeah. Which is cool. Like if that's your style, that's your style. But I think it's important to be unique and we don't all have to conform to the same thing. That's what's so great. Like we're open Mm -hmm. to everyone. We're open minded people. So let's be that way. Yeah. Yeah. I think that idea of like people can be unique, I think is such an interesting thing because we're so like, we are gay, we're different from everyone else, but within our community, you all have to be the same. Totally. You know? So right. it's like, once you find your label or your group, then you're like, okay, but now I need to conform to this group. Right. Like, I'm not conforming to heteronormative society, so let right. me conform to what it means to be in the LGBTQ community, what it means to look queer, what it means to act queer, be gay, like you said, be as gay as you can. What does that even mean? Well, and it's so fascinating, too, because I wonder how much of it is like, I mean, in the U.S. right now, you know, we're for a lot of people. And I think especially, you know, if you're in like cities, metropolitan areas, you know, where like it it is mostly going to be accepted, you know, I mean, not to like downplay the struggles of the queer community still but I mean I feel like there is this desire right now to like stand you know stand out like kind of exactly what you were just saying Ellie to like look different than the straight world you know and it's funny how it does like anytime you do that within us like within a, a group that kind of becomes its own formed identity of you know and so now you have to look like this mm-hmm. you know it's kind of like where like punk started versus like right where punk is as a style now, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, it started as, like, the anti-everything, and now it's like, okay, and here are the rules, you know? Yeah. To, like, dress... Uh, totally. Dress in a way that's, like, not the norm, you know? Yeah. But and, it's its own and, norm. Yeah. And then not the norm becomes the norm. Right, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I get mm-hmm. that we want to be identifiable, you know? We don't have a rainbow flag on our face. Unfortunately. Like, we want someone to be like, oh, she knows that I'm gay, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, imagine if we all put a little bit of our own personal flair to things, how much yeah. how more quickly we would progress in fashion and in whatever it is. Just because if you use your own brain, other people are going to use theirs, and then they're all going to come up with crazy ideas, and 
it's just going to be better. And it's funny, like, you say we don't have a, a rainbow on our face, but it's like, you know, then you do sort of have to come up with the ways of, like, how do you femme flag, and what are the, like, recognizable signs, you know, and then straight people take those as well, and they're like, look, it's my accent nail, and you're like, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Everyone's confused now. <laughs> no one knows what to do. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, then one one thing becomes an identifier, but then it's not. Like, I'm like, oh, I wear my right. leather jacket. But, like, other people wear leather jackets who are straight. Or, like, I'm wearing my Converse. Straight people are allowed to wear leather jackets. And then I, like, Come see on. a girl with Converse, and I'm like, hey, no. <laughs> just, like, Converse. Sometimes people will say, like, why don't you just ask them? That always is, like, the hardest thing, to just ask someone if they're gay. I mean, I feel like if they're gay, they're probably going to yeah. throw in some signs, too, at some point. Whether it's, like, the way they're looking at you or... People get offended these days. Everything's pretty offensive. So to just be like, hey, are you gay? Mm -hmm. Like, I get why that's hard or uncomfortable. And they're like, no. And then the conversation's (laughs) over. And you're like, well, Plus, if you ask Ellie, all girls look at her that way. It's just, you know, you can't avoid it. Exactly. It's hard for me. I'm like, you might be straight, but you're looking at me like, you want (laughs) to kiss me? I'm confused. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah i don't know what you it just is. have that bubbly personality you and not love you ellie it's oh just, my god stop so hard. this is not what the conversation is about okay <laughs> <laughs> so so maybe what i'll do then is i'll ask you know we talked a little bit about how does it get interpreted to like look queer in chile versus here i'm curious like as you've been doing this and kind of going going across the u.s as well you know how how much does that vary like geographically like when you get these little pockets of like okay and now everyone has to dress this way to look you know to look like you're queer enough like how much does that change you know from coast to coast in the midwest from like you know north to south yeah i mean i think it changes just based on each city you go to la and it's like Ellie, you'd fit right in. Yes. <laughs> you wouldn't feel overdressed. <laughs> you wouldn't feel overdressed. You'd feel good. You know, I think the girls in LA are probably putting a little bit different amount of effort into what they're yeah. wearing and who they're with and that sort of thing. Um, I'd say Colorado definitely has a style. There's the like bros or whatever you want to call them, usually wearing some sort of jogger pant, snapback, I don't know. <laughs> whatever something pretty casual um but yeah I'd say it definitely changes based on where I am in Colorado I've been doing most of it in Colorado because I'm based in Denver but it's such no one's from Colorado that lives in Colorado now so you get a mix but I think people kind of conform to well and Colorado's kind of you know booming these days too so I'm not surprised that you're getting like you know as you get this influx of people, you know, you're going to get a range of people. I mean, I think it's the beauty of humanity is we're not all the same, right? <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah, and there's, I mean, there are a lot, a lot of queer women in Denver. I feel like everywhere. When I went to visit my friend Alexa there, we went to, it was First Friday, First Saturday or something? Oh, yeah. First Friday at Tracks. Yeah, First Friday at Tracks. <laughs> you can get lost in there. Yeah, it's this huge <laughs> warehouse just full of queer women like yeah it was gigantic i think they estimate like 1500 queer women every first friday but then outside of that and ellie we've had this conversation before there's not a lot going on there might Mm be one event every year and it's like or every month rather and everyone's just wasted 
why is mm-hmm. everyone so wasted? Can't we do anything where we're not drunk? That's another thing I see is like, it's just our community can be such a party culture. Where do yeah. you find your niche? Where are the people that want to take pictures with me besides Tinder? <laughs> um, <laughs> right? Who wants to go hiking? Who wants to go explore the city? Who likes food? Who likes this? You yeah. know, when really it just kind of becomes like, who wants to get fucked up and dance and hopefully go home with someone? <laughs> yeah. Which I think maybe is like an age thing. I'm yeah, still in my I think 20s. it must be. Right? I mean, because it's also something that I've noticed, like, I mean, this past year where I haven't been drinking, uh, it, like, you notice, it starts to stand out, and it's like, the not drinking throughout the pregnancy hasn't really been, like, a huge deal for me, but, like, I noticed, like, for my birthday this year, you know, my wife was like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, what do you do with a group of people if you can't drink or, like, do any strenuous physical thing? I'm like, what? What are our options? Movie like, night. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was like, I don't know anymore. What did we? What happens when you do? <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I think, and I'm curious. Actually, I would, I would be interested to know, like, age wise in general. Like, do you see, like, how many people have you photographed of like different generations? Because I think right. that there's such a huge difference in what it meant, like, what it means and what it's meant to look queer, dress queer, you know, generationally as well, that I think is vastly different, you know, now versus like, you know, 10, 20 years ago, even. Yeah, definitely. Things changed so much in the last 10 years. I mean, I'm sure you guys were in high school when the slang was gay and that meant shit, you know, you do not want to be that. And how that kind of uh, made the gay community feel and how people became homophobic. Like I was homophobic because I simply didn't know anyone that was gay. And I grew up in an area that you weren't gay. No one talked about yeah. it. I didn't know what it was until someone really told me, like it wasn't a conversation in school that was healthy. There was no sex ed on it. It was just taboo. And now it's yeah. like, it's almost trendy, right? I don't know. <laughs> So it's almost yeah. your queen. Like, it makes you different. It makes you unique. And everyone wants to be different and unique until they get to the group and they're all the same. Right? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's true, though. I mean, I do feel like it is cool to be gay right now, which I think it sounds really stupid. But I feel cool being a lesbian. <laughs> yeah, is it that it's cool to be gay or that you feel cool being well, gay? Well, I don't know. I feel cool being gay. You are like, cool, Allie. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, I get to have a lesbian podcast and it's cool. Like, I literally get to sit here and just talk about being a lesbian and people, like, like it. So. <laughs> it's it's my favorite thing lately when people ask what our podcast is. Like, if you meet someone new and you're, like, and you, like, mention a podcast and they're like, what's your podcast about? And I'm like, being a lesbian. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, what's it called? I'm like, uh, <laughs> les hang out, grandma. Uh, we talk about <laughs> lesbian stuff. I don't, I don't know. Gay, anything gay. gay, stuff. Anything, gay. gay. <laughs> anything gay. Yeah. yeah. This is unrelated, but sort of goes back to one thing you were saying before. I'm just curious. Like, you said you have a girlfriend, right? Yes. So how do you navigate using Tinder for, <laughs> right? I'm just saying, like, you, you're on Tinder to find photo subjects, yeah. quote unquote. But, like, you know, how do you, how do you navigate that? And how do you do it without sounding like you're a serial killer? (laughs) Right? So when I started the project, I was, like, just messaging people, hey, I'm doing this project, and I got a lot of people that thought it was spam or fake or whatever, and 
Jenny. Thank you, Jenny. Not Jenny Schechter, Jenny. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Jenny was my first feature and she was awesome. We like, we were both kind of nervous. Like she was my guinea pig and she showed up and we had such a great conversation. She brought like a box of stuff she had collected from Europe and she knew I was a big skier um, and brought like all these different lift tickets. And she was just like so sweet. And we took a shot before we went in shot of whiskey I think before we went and shot the photos um and she like really was the first one to take that risk and then once I had one I think it was a lot easier to present that like link up my Instagram and people could be like okay so this is a project but I've definitely been kicked off of Bumble um can't (laughs) get back on Bumble people have reported me because maybe they were upset that I didn't want to hang out with them like that and they just you know, I'm using Tinder in that way, but it's very, um, explicit in my profile, what I'm there for. It says I'm in a committed relationship. I'm working on this project. Thank you, Kate, for being cool and trusting me. But yeah, mostly Tinder. And then once it started to get bigger, I had people hitting me up on Instagram and then it's been a little bit different. Yeah. So at first it was really hard. It was weird. People didn't believe me. Thought I was, yeah, Craigslist killer or something. So, shout out to Jenny for being willing to be axe murdered potentially (laughs) and instead getting your photo taken. Yes. Yeah. Good good on you. The way that I found your Instagram is because you matched with my friend Alexa on Tinder. Yeah. And messaged her and, like, were asking her to photograph her. And she sent me it and she was like, You should have this girl on the podcast. (laughs) And then I was like, wait, this is so cool. So, yeah, because of Tinder, like, this is happening because of Tinder. Yeah. (laughs) I met my girlfriend on Tinder, so it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) It can't be used for more than one thing. Just don't tell everyone. We'll all get kicked off together. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I do love it, like, as a marketing technique. Or, like, when we first started the podcast, I was doing something similar. Honestly, because of you. Alexa was like, wait, you should do this. And I was like, yes, you're brilliant. So then I started like messaging people and being like, hey, can I ask you some questions about the podcast? And actually it was useful. Yeah. Because like, I was like, what do you guys want to see? Like, you know, it's like our entire target demographic is on Tinder. Right there. Yes. Yeah. At your fingertips. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. It's crazy. Cause like you go out to the bars and you're like, I know everyone here. And then you get on Tinder and you're like, where do you all hide? Like, what are you doing? Like, I don't know. It must be like hanging out with their cats unless it's summertime. Or their dogs. (laughs) Yeah. Cats, dogs, either or. All of the above. But I wanted to get back to the generational question. I really haven't talked to a lot of people outside of our demographic. Mm. So mostly 20 to 30. I have spoken to a few moms have been featured and a few women in their 40s. But again, it's harder to find right. the older generation. They're not on Tinder. Well, yeah, they're not on social they're media. Not on they're Tinder. not on Tinder. Yeah. yeah, so it's been harder. I've definitely gone up to lesbian couples in airports whenever I see like an older couple I like run after them like a creep which is totally fine like that's how Megan Rapino was featured in the project I was shooting um Hannah Wilkinson on the New Zealand soccer team and they happened to be playing the U.S. and so I got some good shots of Megan and like ran after her after the game and was like yo you gotta be in my project and she was super nice and fun so I definitely have to have a bit of a outgoing weird personality and just like go up to random people (laughs) and be cool with it and like be ready for them to give me weird looks and be like who is this girl yeah 
But I just met my neighbors next door. I moved recently, and they've been together for 17 years, so I'm, like, working my way in. Yeah. You don't want to be like, hi, nice to meet you. Can I photograph you? Totally. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I need to talk to you now. I need to know everything, especially because I know one of them has a kid, so I'd love to hear, you know, I think the older generation didn't really have a choice in a lot of ways. A lot of them were married and had kids, and then... Where it felt like they were able to be who they are. So I think yeah. it's really important that we get the older stories too. And because I mean, every everyone has a story. And whether you look the same, grew up the same, you might relate in some way. And with that relatability, there's understanding. And with understanding, there's compassion. So not only is that for us, but of course, it's for outside the community. They're like, someone's like what do I have in common with someone who's gay nothing but then they read their story or hear it and they're like wow actually I had a similar experience and then they might be more compassionate so the more stories that we tell you know the closer we're going to get and more understanding and compassionate we're going to be which I think is the the main goal of this project I think is just that I see so much potential in our community and I see we are doing good in a lot of ways and we've grown a lot but I think we have a lot of room for improvement yeah and I know we have some older listeners, so yeah. you guys want to have your pictures taken. Oh my god, Amy and Ellen. <laughs> I love them so much. Shout out yes. to Amy and Ellen. <laughs> or, you know, if you have friends or something that you know of, get them in touch. Because, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it is, it's so, it's so important to show the range and the diversity that there is, you know. It's interesting to me when we have discussions like this about like, what is the thing that everyone tries to conform to within queer communities? You know, like, what is what is the right way to look? Who looks more gay? You know, I think it's interesting that I feel like a lot of people would say it's kind of more either, like, butch or androgynous presenting. Like, that's gayer than being femme. But if you look in the media, like, and especially because so many of the gay characters in the media are still being portrayed by straight actresses... They don't always look super androgynous and or butch, you know? They tend to be pretty femme presenting a lot of times. And so I'm curious, like, how does that happen that we have this this very opposite presentation in terms of, you know, what is depicted as gay and as queer on TV or in movies versus, like, what we all look at and see as, like, ah, but more queer is this, you know? Yeah, I think that the media is probably just going for what's relatable and what's going to sell. A lot of people don't know androgynous or butch lesbians, and if you don't know something, you might be afraid of it or not understand it. I mean, what, Rachel McAdams is now playing a lesbian in a new movie. You guys know yes, this, right? Yes, Disobedience. Yes. I saw it. Okay. Was it good? It actually was pretty good. There's a... The sex scene is interesting. Positives and... <laughs> now I'm like, no I have to Ellie, watch no this. Spoilers. Yeah, no spoilers. <laughs> but it, I thought it was pretty well done, actually. Neither of them are super butch or androgynous in any way. I mean, they're, like, both pretty femmy women. Which I think is great for, you know, feminine visibility. Visibility, rather. But often invisibility, right? But there's so many gay people. Why can't gay people play themselves? There's this movie also. It's called Princess Sid. I don't know if you've seen it. It was on Netflix. But it's, like, one very femme-presenting lesbian and another androgynous, more butch lesbian and their relationship, and I feel like I recognized when I watched it that it was different, I think, from a lot of the stuff we see in the media in an interesting way. You know 
You know what would be really, really different, which I think I cannot even think of one instance, is two androgynous women together. Either they play to the masculine feminine stereotypes, right? Or they play to two like ridiculously feminine women together in the way that like men envision in a porn to be real. You know? Yeah. I would be more curious to see two butch women together on screen. Yeah. Can you even think of any? I'm thinking, I'm trying here. <laughs> I'm like, is there someone in the L word? All of the L word happened and there was not that didn't happen one time. Like someone's gonna let us know the like one the one instance, right? Someone's gonna like Hop on Twitter. Honestly, please, yeah, please let us know, because I would love yeah, to see it. Yeah, let us know. But it is, but and, and exactly what you were just saying, Rachel, too, about, you know, like, what's acceptable and what's going to be popular, and it's like, right, of course, two pretty femme girls kissing, like, what every dude wants to see on screen, you know? Like, sure. I wa- and I mean, <laughs> exactly. I want to see it on screen, so. <laughs> I get it. But we also want to see everything else on, you know, like we want to see the whole range on screen. So, yeah, absolutely. It's very interesting. I think our community still does conform too to the gender roles within relationships. As we're saying now, why don't we see any of the androgynous relationships? Are there that many? I mean, I have some friends for sure, but I think a lot of times we're still playing into the stereotype of uh, the androgynous lesbian is going to fix the car and the feminine woman is going to iron her shirt. (laughs) Maybe not to that extent, but gotta make me look good, babe. And why is that still happening? I think that we've limited ourselves in a lot of way when we do that. And I think one of the cool things I had a conversation with someone uh, recently, Kate Moreland was just featured and she talked a lot about how she was given the opportunity to try all these different things. And so she's able to do a lot of different things, whether they're masculine, quote unquote, or feminine. And so I think a lot of queer women do have that experience as well. And that's given them an edge in their life to just be that much more rounded of a person. But at the same time, I still do see people conforming to those norms which is fine if that's what feels comfortable to you but it also feels comfortable because that's what you were taught and is that really who you feel you are um so i just think it's really important that we continue to question our motives and ourselves and our community so that we can grow if we're not introspective then what are we doing (laughs) i don't know So you're mentioning mentioning some names and mentioning some people. I'm curious if you could tell us a little bit more about some of the shoots that you've done with people that have really stood out to you a bit. Like what were some of the, you know, like what have been some of your favorite experiences Definitely. from doing this project so far? Oh man, I think I'm almost at 70 women featured. Ah. So I'm going to have to rack my brain for a second. One of my first shoots, I think she was like number two or so, Alex. She was really awesome. She talked about what it means to be queer. I think people get confused sometimes. And she originally came out as bisexual and then came out as a lesbian. And then she was in a relationship with someone who was transitioning. And so she's like, well, I'm still in love with this person, but what the hell am I? Like, I guess I'm not a lesbian. (laughs) I, I don't know. So she prefers queer. And I thought that conversation really stood out in my mind two years ago when queer was kind of becoming a popular term. And I think it's great that people identify as queer. You don't label yourself so strictly. 
I think it leaves a lot more open for not only like sexual experiences and romantic experiences, but just how you live your life. So she was really awesome. All of my travels were really great. I mean, obviously Ellie was just, you know. Ellie was amazing. I had so the much top fun. Ellie and then anyone yeah, else, you know. And then a couple people down is Megan Rapinoe. <laughs> 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 it was a lot of fun, though. We had, we had a really good time. We had such a great conversation. And I had never photographed two people at the same time. So it, like, opened up another dynamic um just to like share in a different way and have different people's inputs. And we were like, damn it, we should be recording this right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. We did a shoot with my friend Amelia. So shout out to Amelia as well. Yes, and she was Amelia rocking was this awesome. white. Uh, it's a nice coat that you found. What at the, yeah, we went to, went we were like, let's, we, we're going to do the photo shoot. Like, let's go to this vintage store. So we went to this vintage thrift store. I got this amazing leather jacket that I still wear like every other day. And Amelia got this like super, just like dapper white peacoat blazer. Yeah, she was she was feeling herself. She looks so good. Yeah. Wander with us into a world of magic. Join Jenny and Madeline in this fantastical audio drama as they journey into the stories you grew up with and reinvent fairy tales with a feminist twist. We'll see you soon in the forest of feminist fairy tales. Yeah. she did yeah <laughs> and she's like i was like you're gonna model like yeah for real for real yeah she was killing it and she found in her pocket she found a bow tie like there was like just a bow oh tie God. in the pocket so she put it on for the shoot nice. <laughs> it was amazing so um ali she i photographed her pretty early on in the project too it was cool because i went up to colorado springs we shot garden of the gods it's really beautiful um, rock formations and park that's near um, the Air Force Academy and she's in the Air Force so we talked about a lot about what it's been like for her she was in ROTC before Don't Ask Don't Tell was overturned by Obama in 2012 and what that was like for her and it was interesting how lucky she was that she really never experienced any problems which I found to be pretty interesting I definitely thought that there would have been some backlash somewhere along the way. But for the most part, there wasn't. Shout out to Allie. I think she's um, deployed again. I shot with her the day before she went on her first deployment oh, wow. to Afghanistan, which is amazing. And she's a total badass. I don't know. There's been so many awesome people. I shot with Sherelle Moss. She's a professional snowboarder. She's in the Olympics, not this last Olympics, the one before in Russia and Sochi. And she was kind of the first person to make a statement. A lot of reporters were asking her in the Netherlands, like, are you going to go because you're gay? You're really the only out snowboarder. And she was like, yeah, even more of a reason to go. You know, she's just got <laughs> this awesome attitude, really amazing person. And so she's at Sochi. And right before a run, she's like flashing the cameras, her gloves and a rainbow yeah. and so that was really the first big statement which was really awesome we just like hung out today she was snowboarding i was on my skis we we're taking pictures we had bloody mary's after <laughs> um nice. yeah la was a lot of fun it was a whirlwind i photographed i think seven girls in four days wow. um but it was cool to just kind of see everyone in their element um jordan bamrick she's awesome hairstylist we had a lot of fun People were just coming through, getting their hair cut, and that was a lot of fun. So, yeah, it's hard to really pick out a favorite. I've learned so much. I think this project has helped me grow a lot and be more open-minded and 
really taking a look at myself and how I can be better within the community. And So you said a little bit of, towards the end, being better at the community. And I think a lot of our episodes, we really try to focus on this. And that is, we say we are lesbians, right? But we want to be open to the rest of the community and we want to be a place where we can unite the community. So how yeah. do you feel like people listening can engage with the project in a way that unites our community? I think, you know, if you're following the project on Instagram, everyone has a very unique story and they're very vulnerable and open. And I think that shows so much strength and really being honest of what your experience has been. And if you're there, just like show some support, show them some love, talk about it, have a conversation. Oh, I experienced this too, or I never thought of it this way, or really just engaging each other to be closer how much fun is that to have an ally someone that you've never met that lives across the country some of my greatest conversations I've only talked to the person one time just because they live somewhere else and stay in touch on social media and I'm like that's such a good person like every time I get a message from them I feel good I think that just because this project is really based on social media doesn't mean that it's not real I think a lot of times people are only posting the good parts of their lives on social media so it gets diluted and you kind of look at your life and you're comparing it and you're like oh fuck I'm not there yet or whatever but I think it's just so important to remember that we're all on our own journey and we can support each other along the way and it feels so much better so I think I think we want to end on that note end on that note and move to our next segment which if you've listened to the podcast before we do a segment called Q and Gay so they're just some you know kind of straightforward questions that we will ask you and then we'll put them up on our Twitter as well and let other people chime in so Q Q and Yay. Are we ready? Do you want to kick us off our Q and gay? Yes, Ellie? I will start it off. Question number one of our Q and gay. Has anyone ever told you you didn't look like a lesbian? Yes or no? No. No? Mm. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Not even all those people that thought you were a dude? Well, okay, the people that think I'm a dude, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Right. I guess I I guess I'm just thinking about our community. No one in our community yeah. has been like question, you yeah. don't look gay. Right, yeah. but yeah, for sure. People think I'm a dude, especially like skiing and long hair is like a thing, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, question two. Uh, how do you personally identify more as uh, butch, femme, androgynous, or other write in your own option? <laughs> I guess if I had to go with your guys, is I would say androgynous. I don't identify as like non-binary. I identify as a woman and a lesbian too. Mm-hmm. Some okay. yeah, but I would well, say we're, like we're just talking expression. Expression. I, think, I would say yeah, separating gender identity. Separating. Okay, I would say I'm like. What's your style more? Yeah, androgynous. Um, a little bit grungy. um i do shower but grungy's definitely in there and then i'm an athlete so i don't know i like baggy clothes not that i wear like nike all the time a little bit of a sporty jock thing yeah little little bit little bit more of like grunge (laughs) yeah it's hard because i always i try to limit to four options for the twitter polls but i figured this was one that just needs an other and we'll let people yeah there's a lot of other options but yeah yeah all right number three what do you feel like you see presented more in the media? Butch, femme, androgynous, or other? Mm. Feminine. 
Mm-hmm. It's either like super feminine or like the stereotypical butch. Yeah, or like Big yeah. Boo from uh, Orange is the New Black. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Question four, slightly different direction. Uh, what's your favorite camera brand out of Kodaks, Canons, Nikons, or iPhones? Um, so actually, I use the Sony, but if I have those options, Ugh. I'm going to go with Nikon. Okay. I've been using my girlfriend's camera a lot, and I'm like, damn, do I make the switch to Nikon? Do I do this? It's like a $5,000 <laughs> switch here, but yeah, yeah I'm... I'm Getting ready for a new camera. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah. All right. So you spend a lot of time behind the camera, obviously. Do you enjoy having your own picture taken? Yes or no? Actually, I do. Um, done a bit, a little bit of modeling, but my girlfriend's also a photographer, so we collaborate a lot, um, and it's really easy to take pictures of each other. So yeah, I do. Not all the time. I have to be like prepared, yeah. but yeah, I don't mind it. I have fun. All right, and for our listeners, remember you can give us your own answers to this episode's Q&A on our Twitter at leshangoutpod. Um, So we want to say thank you again, Rachel, for joining us. It has been so much fun having you on and learning more about the project. Thank you so much for having me. Rebuilding a website. So insidetheblacktriangle.com. It's coming soon. Check it out. Great. And where else can people find you? Um, inside the Black Triangle on Instagram and on Facebook and then now .com it's coming. Um, don't look at it yet. <laughs> no, it, it'll, it'll be ready by the time this episode comes out. Cool. I'm remembering. Okay. So we're good there. Yeah. And Shopify will, you'll be able to order a tea. It's just a limited edition pride tea. Yeah. So that's, and you're going to be a Denver that. pride too. Yes. Denver Pride. Yeah, Denver Pride. I'm nice. doing an auto straddle meetup, which will be really awesome. I'm going to do some interactive, fun, artistic things. Great. And when is Denver Pride? Denver Pride is June 16th and 17th. Sorry, dads. It is Father's Day every mm. year. <laughs> we don't have daddy issues, though. Like, we don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. <laughs> Bring your dad to Pride yes. and go check out Rachel's booth. Yes. There you go. Thank you for having me. You guys are awesome. Of course. And remember, you can also find us on Instagram and Facebook at Les Hangout Pod. You can send us an email at leshangoutpod at gmail.com. And check out our website at leshangoutpod.com. Uh, if you want to help support the podcast, there are a couple ways you can do that. One of them that is totally free to you is to listen to us on Radio Public. We get paid listens. Uh, and all you have to do is go to bit.ly slash leslisten. And if you want to support us financially, you can go to our Patreon page, which is at patreon.com slash leshangout. And you can join us for Les Central's viewing parties and get a lot of other cool perks. You can also check out our merch. We also have some pride designs going up that you should check out for any and all prides that you may be going to. Uh, you can find that at bit.ly slash lesshop. And if you want to find us individually, you can find me at Ellie Brigida on Instagram and Twitter. And you can find me uh, on Instagram and Twitter at LSH Foster. Rachel, thank you again. This has been great. Thank you so much. I had so much fun. And with that, I'm Ellie. And I'm Lee. And, and let's, let's hang, hang out, out again, again soon. soon. Let's hang out. out.